praise, and again I say rejoice. That's where we get our song by the same name. What, what Paul seems to be saying here as he says rejoice in the Lord always is that when we think of the love and the nearness of the Lord Jesus and that He is near us all the time, there's never a time in our lives where He's not close to us. Sometimes we move away from Him, but when we do, if we could see Him, we would see Him coming closer to us. He never leaves us. He's always there for us. And, and it should, these things, as we think of them, should lead us to an attitude of, of, of an action of rejoicing. I rejoice because Jesus loves me. We like to teach that little song to our children in, in Sunday school, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But folks, as adult Christians, we should sing a song, something along the lines of, Jesus loves me, this I know, for He's with me everywhere I go. He's there. He's in my heart. He's in my life. And, and I know that He is there. The same root word that is used in our text this morning in Romans chapter 5 is, and is translated exult in the New American Standard Bible. To exult means to, to feel and to express tremendous joy. It means to leap vigorously. In other words, uh, the Steve Gardner paraphrase is, maybe we ought to make us jump and shout. We ought to be excited about what God does for us and how He loves us and that He never leaves us. It means that we are to rejoice in triumph. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. When, when we think of all that God has done on our behalf, it ought to draw us to the Lord Jesus Christ. It should drive us to exaltation, to be happy. I'm happy and I know it. Yeah, and if we are, we ought to, let us, we ought to show it, right? That's what the little song says. So the question for us this morning is, can you say this morning that you are rejoicing always in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's look and see what the Apostle Paul says to us uh, and to the church at Rome in chapter 5 of the, of the book of Romans. That will be our text this morning as I read it to you. Listen for why the great Apostle tells us that we should be rejoicing. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. Therefore... Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Paul gives us a long list of things we ought to be excited about. We ought to be exalted about. Now, when, when I use that word exult, you remember you're going to think about jump and shout. That ought to be something that, that... Now, how many of you watched the OU football game last night? If you watched it to the end, you were able to jump and shout, right? Well, that's nothing compared to what God has done. That was not a miracle last night. That was preparation. It was preparedness. But what God has done for us, what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, is a complete miracle. Because He didn't have to. That's what He came for. He came to show you and I that we can have life and that we can have abundant life. Life that is, that is above and beyond anything that we can, can experience in this life. He came to give us life that is going to last throughout eternity. Now that's life. And that's what Jesus came to give to us. So first of all, the Apostle Paul tells us here that we ought to rejoice in the hope of glory. Well, what is our hope of glory of God? Well, is that one day when I depart from this world, I am going to go into that world that He has prepared for me, already prepared, and there I'm going to be with Him throughout all of eternity. Nevermore will I have to fall on my face and, and on my knees and say, Oh God, it feels like you're a thousand miles away. Where are you? I'm hurting here. No, in those days, He will be with me. And I will be with Him. And I won't have to search for Him. And He won't have to search for me. We will be together in paradise. Now folks, that's, that's something to exult about. That's something to jump and shout about. So he says that we're to rejoice in the hope of glory. We rejoice because we have been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross at Calvary. Didn't cost me anything, didn't cost you anything, but it cost him his life. And so when we think about it, and I think about what Jesus did for me, I get all excited. Because I know He died for me. And we need to make that personal. We need, to, we need to make it very personal in our lives, in our hearts. He didn't die for us. He died for each one of us individually. And so we make this thing, we need to make this thing a personal uh, understanding that Jesus Christ died for you. And if it was only you, He still would have gone to the cross and given Himself just for you 
And so we should rejoice in that. We should, just thinking about what he has done should make us excited. The, Paul writes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, and says, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Why are we to give glory to God? Because He is the one. He is the author of our salvation. He is the one who sent His Son to die for us. He is the one who loves us and cares for us no matter where we are and where we go and what we do. He still loves us. i got to say this right here. He doesn't love all the things that we do. But He loves us. He loves us. And He cares for us. And we have peace in our hearts through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I believe it's in John chapter 14, uh, peace, peace I leave with you, my peace give I unto you. How do I know I have peace in my heart? I have peace knowing that there is nothing that Christ cannot accomplish in and through my life. And so we need to understand that, that we have this peace through Jesus Christ who loves us. And we stand in the grace of God. Grace, grace, God's grace. And we have been introduced into this grace through faith in God's only Son, Jesus Christ. What a time of rejoicing we ought to have. I ought to be looking out here and I should be seeing smiling faces and, and people excited about what God has done because He did it for you and for me. So he tells us that we should rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But then he turns around and he makes this statement that is hard for us to understand sometimes when he says that we should rejoice in our tribulations. Now, how many of you rejoice when you have a flat? Normally when you have a flat, it's on a cold Sunday morning when you're, when you're in a hurry to get to church and it's either raining or snowing and there's ice on the ground. And I know you, you get out and you look at that flat and you say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Right? Now, that's not usually the way it happens, but that's the way we ought to be because he tells us we ought to rejoice in our tribulations. What does he mean by rejoice in our tribulations? Well, Tribulation, he says, brings out perseverance in our lives, which brings out true character and hope that is within our hearts and our lives. My Bible tells me that there's nothing that God cannot do. Hello out there. There's nothing that God cannot do. And so when I think about that, and I have people, I've always been pretty ornery. And uh, I figured my wife would say amen there. Uh, I've always been pretty ornery, and people have told me all my life, you're going to get in trouble. And I have gotten to the place anymore where I say, well, I don't worry about trouble. And they'll say, what do you mean you don't worry about trouble? And I say, I've spent my whole lifetime getting out of it. But the truth of the matter is, I don't worry about trouble because God knows how to handle my troubles. Even when I am the instigator to get myself in trouble, He is there, He's ready to help me, and there's no problem that I can create that He can't solve. And so we should rejoice when these tribulations come. James tells us over in his epistle in chapter 1, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. So the next time you have a flat, 
Or the next time it's raining and the driver in front of you hits a mud hole and splashes on your windshield and your windshield wipers won't work and you're smearing that mud all over your windshield and you can't see where you're going, just remember this sermon and remember to say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because of trials and tribulations, I know you're able to handle. And Lord... Take me through this. Take me through this. Ours is a hope that does not ever disappoint. God's always on His job. Jesus never leaves me. I am never without because He is always there to comfort me, to encourage me, to give me hope. And folks, I can tell you through the years, we need hope. We need to know that there is somebody out there that really cares about me. Much of the time, all of our friends will tell us, oh, I'm praying for you. Empty words. I'm praying for you unless they actually pray. Or, oh, I know right where you're at, Brother Steve. I, I, I've, I've been there. I've had struggles. I know what's going on in your life. No, they don't know what's going on in my life, just like I don't know what's going on in yours. But I can tell you this. Jesus Christ knows what's going on in your life, and He cares about what's going on in your life, and He is able to take care of whatever is going on in your life. All we've got to do is give our cares to Him and let Him take care of them. He's a problem solver. And He loves you with a love that you can't even compare. Because God has given us His mighty love through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. How do I know He loves me? Because He lives in my heart. And I know He's there all the time. Sometimes I disappoint Him. But He never disappoints me. He's always there to take care of me. To keep up with all that's going on in my life. He did it at exactly the right time. That's what we read in our scripture. Uh, in, in chapter 6, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for us. The time was perfect. The timing that, that God sent His Son to the earth was perfect timing. We look at what's going on around us today and in our society, and, and you know, I... I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the news, but I pay enough attention to it to know that there is unrest all over the world. All over the world. People are skeptic. We in America are, are in a tumult. And the news media keeps feeding it to keep us confused about what really is going on. And the guys in Washington don't help it because all they care about is what's going, what I get, what I get, what I get. We have an I and a me society today. And the truth of the matter is all of that doesn't really matter to amount to a hill of beans. God's still in control. And these times in which we live, God is in control of them. And one day we're going to be able to look back and see that He was involved in everything that was going on. And because of his, of his right timing, Jesus came at exactly the time that He needed to, and, and God sent His Son at the appointed time to go to the cross and die that we might have eternal life. And folks, I, I'm going to get on my soapbox here a minute. I'm so tired 
of people who call themselves Christians that the only thing they pray for is God to give them what they want. Now, we're all guilty of that. Everybody, that doesn't leave anybody out. We all want and we want and we want and we want. And so we go to God. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could be comfortable in your life. He didn't die on the cross so that he could give you whatever you think is going to make your life better. He died to make your life better. He died to make your life eternal. And if we're obedient to the Word of God and we trust Him, there's nothing He won't do for us. There's no hill He won't climb. He climbed all the way to Calvary's hill. All the while knowing that they were going to nail Him to that cross. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane He prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. Aren't you glad he said the next sentence? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Folks, we ought to be looking for God's will in our tribulations. We ought to be looking for God's will in our struggles. We ought to be looking for God's will in our daily lives. And we ought to be rejoicing, exulting in our lives that he is involved in all the things that goes on in our lives. We serve a God who loves us. And God did all of this through His precious Son, Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite verses. But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were still, and I have a friend that likes to say, while we were still yet filthy, stinking, rotten sinners, Christ died for us. Because you see, in us, as humans, there's nothing good. The Bible says, only God is good. And any good that is in you or me, guess where it comes from? It comes from Him. And so, we, we find this verse, God's demonstrating His love toward us. In that even though we were sinners, even though we were ugly, even though we were ornery as could be, even though we did stupid things, God sent His Son to die in order that we might be forgiven of all of those filthy thoughts, of all of those heinous acts, of all of those words that we speak to people that we ought not to. Jesus came to die so that we would have forgiveness for all of these things. Now, you say, well, why is that important? The truth is, the only way I can get into heaven is to be perfect. The only way I can get in heaven is to be perfect. Now, how many of you are perfect? That's what I thought. Well, if the only way I can get into heaven is to be perfect, and none of us are perfect, we're in a heap of trouble. Wouldn't you agree with me? That's why Jesus came. Because His forgiveness of my sin cleanses me and makes me as if I had never sinned. And when I stand before my Father in heaven, I will stand completely sinless. And it is all because He sent His Son at the exact perfect time to die on that cross that I might be in heaven with Him for all of eternity. Folks, that ought to cause us to exult. 
That ought to cause us to jump and shout. That ought to ring your glory bell is what it ought to do. What this means is that we are now saved from the wrath of God that we really deserve because of our sin. We are saved by the power of the blood of God's only Son, Jesus Christ. Glory. Glory. That's pretty good stuff. Then in verse 11, the apostle tells us that we should rejoice in God through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Through Jesus Christ. Well, I could tell you that nothing is accomplished in life without God's help. And Jesus himself said, I believe it was John chapter 14, if I go away, I will send a comforter to you. And that comforter, the Holy Spirit, what is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? It is to remind us who God is. It is to teach us the Word of God, to interpret to us the Word of God, and it is to help us to be in, in righteousness that God gives to us. I am not righteous. You are not righteous. The only way we are righteous is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what, what we got to realize is this, all of the things that are good and perfect and wonderful in the eyes of God have to come through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's through Him that we've been reconciled to God. And through Him alone, there is no other. Scripture teaches us in the book of Acts, there is no, other, there is no salvation in no other except through Jesus Christ. So, because of that, we should rejoice. We should exult. We should jump and shout in triumph because we have overcome death, hell, and the grave. Because Jesus rose again, I have hope that I too will rise again. As a matter of fact, I have the promise that I will rise again because He died for me. And by faith I have received what He did for me. And one of these days, I'm going to drop dead. And if it happens today, don't you all worry about me. Because I'll be in a lot better place. And it will be the culmination of the joy that God has planned for us in that day of redemption. And it's all through His Son, Jesus Christ. Not anything that we have done, but all for what Jesus has accomplished for us when He died on the cross at Calvary. He conquered death. The greatest fear that all people have in life is death of dying because we don't know what happens. And I can tell you what happens. We quit breathing in this world and we start breathing in that world to come. And if you know Jesus, you don't have anything to be afraid of. But if you don't know Him, you need to be fearing for your life. Because just as wonderful and, and marvelous and rejoicing and exulting as it is to be in the presence of God, 
It is the opposite to miss being in the presence of God. And the only way we remember I told you when I started, the only way we can get into heaven is to be perfect. And the only way we can be perfect is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So, why should we be rejoicing always? Well, it's because our hope is in Christ alone. That's why. My hope is in Christ. Hello out there. Christ, He loves you. Do you hear me? He loves you. And what His desire for you today is that if you don't by faith trust Him today, that when you leave here this morning, you will know Him in a way that no other person can know because it is a personal relationship between you and Him. I have a lot of friends. I see them once or twice a year. They call me on my birthday. On my anniversary, they'll call and say, Congratulations. But I only have one friend that loves me to the end. He comes to see me every day. He comes to check on my life all day long. He is there in case something comes up that I can't handle, and he is able to handle it. Oh, there is no friend like Jesus. And if you don't know him today, today is the day you ought to come to know him because he wants to be like that to you. And folks, those of you out there that you know you're saved, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He is a great and mighty Savior. The apostle tells us later in chapter 8 that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Now that's reason to rejoice. For the present time, you may be like everybody else I know, suffering various tribulations and trials in your life. Life's hard. Life is hard. It's not easy, but it's not too hard for Jesus. He knows how to take every problem and turn it into a victory. We are to rejoice even through these things that are coming in our life because they are given to us by God to help strengthen our faith in Him. The Apostle Paul tells us in Second Peter, or the Apostle Peter tells us in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward us all, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God's intention in sending His Son to die on the cross for us is that every individual that has ever been or ever will be born would come to a realization that without Jesus, they are helplessly, hopelessly lost for all of eternity. His desire for us is to understand that He sent His Son to us that we might receive His love into our hearts, His power into our hearts, His gift of salvation into our hearts that we can stand the test of time because there is going to be a day of testing. And so we should always be singing that great hymn that was given to us by Albert Brumley 
we don't sing it in church much anymore. We ought to. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And so, though I live here, and I will for some 80 or 100 years, I don't know how long God's going to give me. But though I reside here now, this is not home. I'm reminded of what Hebrews tells us in chapter 11 about Abraham. It said, Abraham believed God. He was looking for a city not made with hands. Abraham never saw and inherited all the promised land that God had promised him. His descendants did. God kept his word. Abraham didn't get to see it all. But he did get to go to that place, that celestial city that our eyes have not ever seen. And that's where his home is now. And it's not in this world. Abraham wasn't looking for a, for a home in this world. He was looking for that home that only God can provide. Oh, what a day, what a time. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Well, I can only think of one thing that brings all of that into being, and that is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ brings all of that and makes it available to us. And when I think about that, I want to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. How about you this morning? Can you truly say you're rejoicing? I think it's time for the church to wake up. I'm not talking about just this church. I'm talking about God's church. It's time for us to awaken and to realize that we've got, we've got the greatest thing going. And I'm afraid that we think it's a well-kept secret that we're supposed to keep secret that I can, I can, I'm going to get to go to heaven. I might whisper it to my wife. I'm going to go to heaven. And we want to keep it a secret when we ought to be standing out on a street corner waving our hands at every car that drives by saying, I know Jesus. Do you know him? Because this world's not my home. There's a better place than this, a lot better place than this. And one of these days, I'm going there. How about you? And we ought to be telling everybody about the grace and the mercy and the love that Jesus Christ offered to us as he gave his life on the cross at Calvary. What about you this morning? Are you rejoicing in the Lord? Rejoicing always? Now, if you go out in the parking lot, somebody's bashed in your windshield on your car when you leave here we'll find the rest of us will find out whether you're rejoicing in the Lord always or not but listen to me that windshield's nothing that windshield's nothing Jesus conquered death he was alive he was alive and he died 
And then he was alive. And he's still alive today. And he's alive and well right here in Davis, Oklahoma. And it is time for us to begin to realize and understand that without him, this life means nothing. So in just a few moments, I'm going to offer an invitation. And the invitation is simply this. I have nothing to offer you. Jesus has everything. The invitation is simply his. In John chapter 10, he tells us the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. We've seen enough of him around here, haven't we? But, but he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Well, I don't see too many people enjoying abundant life. I see people with those sour looks on their face and, and mad at all the world and everything going on. But folks, there is nothing that this world is going to throw at us as the children of God that He's not able to handle. That's why we're to rejoice. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. How about you this morning? Do you know Him? I don't mean do you know about Him. All the world knows about Jesus. You can't live in our day and age and not know about Jesus. But the question remains, do you know Him? Is He your friend? I assure you, He wants to be. He wants to show you how much He loves you. He wants to absolve you of all your sin. Clean your life up. And show you what living is really all about. I'm going to ask you, if you would, just bow your head for a moment. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the men to come, if they would. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to respond to the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. Father, here we are. We come to this most important time in this day. It is that time where we offer the invitation that you have given to us. Oh, it's easy for me, oh Lord, to stand up here and and talk about an invitation and talk about the love of Jesus. It's easy for me because I've experienced it. But Father, there's some folks out here in this audience today that have never experienced your great love. I'm talking about the majesty of who you are and what you accomplished on the cross. My prayer is that you would send your Holy Spirit in this place today, that you would move all over the place up and down every pew and every aisle. I pray, O oh Father, that the power of God would fall upon this place and that people would be moved to come to Jesus Christ. For He is the only hope that we have. Father, You know the importance of coming to know Your Son. I don't pray for my sake. I'm not going to get paid anymore if somebody comes or somebody doesn't. I don't have any rewards coming for anything that goes on here this morning. All the glory goes to the Lord Jesus.